0: Welcome to season four of the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. This season, you will hear even more personal stories from families who have been where you are today. Some of the stories you will hear will provide you with important advice from medical professionals like case managers and high-risk OBGYNs. You will also hear advice about opportunities you can take to focus on self-care and more. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Today is a Good Day podcast wherever you enjoy your podcast or share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. A prenatal diagnosis is filled with unknowns, anxiety, and fears for parents. Today's guest knows this experience personally after her son was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect at just 18 weeks gestation. Sarah Bannock was always passionate for child development and wanting to be a mom. While in college and graduate school, she turned to child care as her career prior to becoming a teen therapist. And I have to tell you, we have a personal connection to today's guest. She took care of our NICU miracle, Claire, when I, she came home from the NICU and when I went back to work. And I just can't tell you enough how excited I am to have you here with us today, Sarah.
1: I'm so excited to be here. It's
0: full circle. I love how you just mentioned that it has come full circle. It certainly has. Tell us a little bit about your family's journey to starting a family.
1: When my husband and I met, we knew that we wanted to have children. Um, Due to the pandemic and rescheduling our wedding several times, we thought about conceiving, tried, stopped. And then noting that we wanted to have children, we tried again, and we became pregnant just before our
0: um, then-rescheduled wedding about five months prior. Well, and you found out you were pregnant. I'm sure it was so exciting for you, right, at the beginning. And you certainly did go through quite a bit. I will say Claire was Sarah's flower girl at her wedding, which was highlight of Claire's life, let's be honest, right? But when you learned... uh, just 18 weeks into your pregnancy, about your son's diagnosis, what did that feel like? Well, we actually found out eight days prior to our
1: then rescheduled, rescheduled wedding. So we had that whole week off already in wedding preparations. And instead of getting my haircut and a facial and prepping for the wedding, We went into planning mode and taking our next steps with our parents. So we decided not to tell anybody until after the wedding, which then meant we made phone calls, had genetic testing, counseling done, and had the amnio actually the day before the wedding because we knew the steps we were going to take
0: already within that first week. Those are a lot of big life changes at the same time. I mean, how did you manage each day? How did you get through it? Where did you look for help? What did, you, what, what did you do? Support
1: systems. I turned to people who I knew. Honestly, I came right to you. Yes. I came right to you. Um, took it one day at a time. That's all that you can do. I took today for today, and we'll take tomorrow for tomorrow. We'll take
0: this appointment, and then we'll make it to the next appointment. Did you start journaling? Did you start writing down questions that you had? Where did you research to find out more? And I ask all of this because I think it's so relevant, not only to what you were going through with the congenital heart defect and really the unknowns that were all associated that, with that, but anyone who receives a diagnosis, trying to figure out you know, where do you start, right? I started Googling where do I, which was probably not the best
1: idea, But I found some good resources. Um, I did journal about my day that I found out about the heart defect. Um, That's about, and I wrote down some questions, but that's where I kind of stopped there. And then instead of researching about the actual heart defect, I decided to research about what we would have to do differently. Um, also about what we would have to bring to the hospital. What does hospital stays look like instead of the actual diagnosis I left to the professionals?
0: That's so key. And I, I think what you brought up is so important because Google is there, right? Everyone will do the search engine, look up the diagnosis. But I think hearing you say, looking through the resources that you found or the information that came up, that you found some reliable resources that you felt good about. And love hearing you say looking ahead, right? The diagnosis you couldn't do anything about, but looking ahead. And and that's one of the other questions I wanted to ask you. What did your pregnancy look like after you found out about your son's diagnosis?
1: Um, It was a lot of ups and downs. There was good days. There was bad days. I let myself feel those emotions. Um, There was nowhere else to turn to. but to feel those emotions. So we focused a lot more on the celebrations, the baby shower, the the cute stuff, and uh, changed a lot of our registry because what we thought possibly some concerns would be, thank goodness turned out not to be, but we just prepared for what we could.
0: And, and that is... I think the, the biggest challenge, it's those unknowns, and I know we've shared it. Our family's journey we had with the girls at 23 weeks was different than what you went through and also our son William with trisomy 18, but I think those unknowns during the pregnancy when you get a, a significant diagnosis and you're not sure what the future is going to look like, you do try to prepare the best you can. Right, Not knowing all the answers, but trying to take it one day at a time, one step at a time. With all of the unknowns in mind, how did you prepare for his arrival when you got closer to his due date? When we also found out
1: about his diagnosis, Nemours set us up with a granted program called Heart Prep from parents who receive a CHD diagnosis. And going through this uh, therapy, I also found my own specialist therapist. So I had been going through therapy weekly from 18 weeks pregnant on. Um, and we talked about that and just prepared for it and opened it up to discussion because it was going to be a
0: fact that we would have to prepare for the unknowns. And Now, what you just said was, I went to my own therapist. So you are a therapist. Yes. But I think it's so important what you just said in that when you found out about his diagnosis, you found your own therapist to go to. How important is that self-care for families who are going through something similar? Having someone who is completely
1: focused on you and your well-being, not biased towards any of your decisions and life choices is amazing to have.
0: And one of my biggest supports I will always love to go to therapy. I love that. I think that's so important to hear because I think a lot of people sometimes won't take that step. They don't think they need it. They don't know how to find the time. But you as a therapist and then talking about going to see a therapist, it's so important to hear. Yeah. Actually, at my baby shower,
1: one of my aunts asked how I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm in therapy every single week. I openly talk about it because I think it is very important
0: and do you think, I know we're getting a little off topic here, Sarah, but I think this is so important, especially with you in, in your career that you do. Families or you know, moms, dads, who, whoever's going to speak to the therapist may get discouraged if they don't hit it off right away with someone they're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. What What's your recommendation from a professional perspective on that?
1: I typically say to those that you don't marry every single person that you date. So therefore, you can date around therapists. It's perfectly okay. And if you don't hit it off, try someone else. Meet someone else.
0: That's good advice. That's, I like that. That just made me laugh over here. <laughs> date your therapist. There you go. That's what I heard you say. So. Yes. Uh the one other thing I want to ask you about during your pregnancy, because you were preparing and planning for your son's arrival, you were navigating through all of the unknowns. I'm sure you had to research and find hospital the hospital that you wanted to go to. Maybe it was different than what your original plan had been if, if Mikey hadn't gotten his diagnosis. How did you kind of navigate through all of that research to find the best fit for you all?
1: In order to fully get his diagnosis and a fetal echo. We had to go to Nemours for that appointment. I walked in and the hallways were color coded and I felt very comfortable and I loved it. Um, it was very easy to get to. And so we continued with Nemours. We were going to look at different doctors and different people, but we felt a connection there and it felt easy. Um, so we had to give up the thought that I could possibly deliver my son where I was delivered, which I was really excited about. We also had to work through giving up when his birth date would be as a surprise because in order to deliver at Nemours, you have to be induced. So they decided to induce us a week prior to our due date instead of going into labor as a first time mom and being excited about when their birth is going to be we had to also grieve that
0: yes yeah and i think that grief is important right to say it's okay to have those moments of grief and sadness and trying to navigate through that piece of it as well and as your pregnancy was going along and as you got closer to his due date and when he was going to, when you were going to be induced and he would arrive when you look back on your pregnancy what helped you the most to get through each day
1: gratitude I was just grateful that I could get pregnant and I was pregnant and we knew his diagnosis prior to his birth. I'm very grateful for science and that they could figure that out. If he was delivered somewhere else and they didn't have everything that they needed, like they didn't in Nemours and he was in a worse situation. I'm just grateful.
0: It's a good thing to bring it back to all about gratitude, right? We say that often, try to be grateful for all things, all the ups and downs and the journeys that we all go through. Speaking of that gratitude, I'm sure and knowing your family and network, you have a huge network of family and friends that were there to help support you and get you through. But I can also say from experience, sometimes that family network and, and friend network can be overwhelming in people reaching out, contacting all the time. I We talk to families about it frequently. Now with text messages, Messenger, all the different ways that people communicate, it can get overwhelming to get so many messages from different people asking the same questions. What did you all do to help communicate with families during your pregnancy? And has that evolved after your pregnancy? or Are you continuing it? Mm-hmm.
1: I started a CaringBridge site. I immediately knew that I wanted to inform everybody all at once and the information there. Um, I did try to include pictures because at certain points, it's only the questions that you get. That's all that people talk about is what's his diagnosis? Well, what do you mean? Don't we all actually have a hole in our heart? No, it's very different. And so I included pictures on our caring bridge to describe the diagnosis as well because you do get tired of repeating yourself over and over. So it is very nice to go
0: there and to write everything. Well, in choosing a platform like that, you get to control the messaging that's going out. I mean, Paul and I used to talk about frequently it can – it can, to some extent, become whispered down the lane of, well, I heard this, and then that turns into this and turns into this. And at the end, it's not necessarily the first report that you had given because it's gone through so many family members and friends. So I think the, the nice aspect of a site like CaringBridge or even a closed Facebook group where you might be setting up a way for family and friends to stay connected to your story and what's happening, that you get to control and share what you need to share to keep that that messaging true.
1: I wanted to keep it also smaller. I did not want to put it on Facebook or any other social media because I didn't think it was something to gossip about almost. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted those people who truly wanted to understand what was going on to be there and to be able to read it but not too much interaction with it.
0: So tell us about your sweet miracle coming into the world. What, what has that looked like since he's been born? And uh, how, how are you feeling? Um, well, our delivery was a little bit different. He
1: was quiet when he was born. It was the scariest moments of our lives during that time. Um, did not get to hold him, did not get to see him for several hours, but we knew that because we didn't know if what he was going to be a Pink tet, quote unquote, or a blue tet, um, how blue he was going to be. So, from the day one, kind of scary until several weeks later in surgery. Um, my goal and my job for those 12 to 16 weeks was to protect him and was to make sure that he had the best chance at surgery. Surgery was not right after birth. We actually brought him home, which was also scary. And then we had to go back. So preparing to go back to the CICU and making sure that we went to Nemours basically every single week for appointments and just doing anything that was needed to get him in the best possible state that he could be for surgery. We ended up going down for surgery and they canceled it that day and we had to return home. And by the end of the night, he was only drinking one ounce every single hour. So it was just our job to focus on the
0: best, giving him the best that we could. He spent time in the NICU? CICU. C- the cardiac ICU, yes. cardiac intensive care unit. W- after he was born, though, he came home with you. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was in
1: the CICU for two days, and then we stepped down to what's considered to b Um, And we were on the room together. And some other things with newborns were going on. He was jaundice. Um, He also was uh, lower weight. So we had a lot of focus on his weight and his eating. A lot of CHD babies have feeding issues. um, And he actually had an oral aversion. So we focused a lot on his eating and food. And then he came home within six days. When we
0: went back, he was also in there for about six days. And talk to us about his surgery. How did you get through that difficult time, the day that he had surgery and after?
1: Surgery day was one of the scariest days. We had prepped for surgery. He was about an hour from going back to surgery, and they had canceled because our surgeon had something in his eye. So we're lucky that they actually canceled it. I'm okay with that. We ended up going back the next day. Um, a different surgeon was there, which I met him, and I loved him too. So I ended up walking him back. Um, my husband was giving him kisses, and Scratchy Beard was upsetting him. And I said, no, you can't be upset. So I handed him over. I turned to my husband, and... Luckily, I had my husband there. During surgery, we sat and we got breakfast. It was actually very nice to have him with me um, and kind of ignoring what was actually going on mm-hmm. for the moment. Afterwards, we did get to see him, and we just focused on the next step, the next goal. I had um, milestone cards for CHD babies. And every time he got a wire removed, I made a milestone. I took a picture of it, shared that only on caring Bridge. Um, but I celebrated everything for that. Did not talk about discharge whatsoever. I just celebrated every wire being removed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and that is such an important thing. Those small milestones, major milestones, any type of milestone, not trying to jump ahead to discharge, Mm -hmm. all the things that are so familiar that I know with our friendship, you heard us talk about with our journey with Claire through the NICU for so long, but that you also recognized in your time with him after his surgery and just trying to take it one moment, one day at a time, same motto, right? Through pregnancy and uh, after he was born and through his surgery as well. Now he's gotten through his surgery, he's doing well,
1: He's gained a lot of weight. Yeah, what's <laughs> so do- exciting.
0: What's he doing? That's great right
1: now. He's rolling and playing. He's starting to dance when we're feeding him
0: So it's, and the giggles. And he just went in the pool for the first time yesterday. It's adorable. Oh, that's so fun. And have they shared with you if he'll need surgery again? So his diagnosis, there are chances that he'll get have to have another
1: sh- surgery um, or two. But hopefully, God willing, it's not another open-heart surgery. Um, we take it echo by echo. We That's the only way that we go, appointment by appointment. That's
0: great. And what resources this, – this was an important one I wanted to ask you about because I think about this often through NICU journeys, through different Facebook groups that I've been a part of over the years, through not only our NICU experience but our experience with William with Trisomy 18 – What resources did you find that were the most helpful for you to help get you through pregnancy and now in this next chapter? For me personally, therapy, individually therapy. Also,
1: heart prep was amazing. Um, They set me up and connected me to other moms, Um, another mom who was actually pregnant at the same time, who delivered a little bit earlier. We connected and we talked about other concerns and that was just amazing. And then we also embraced CHD. I have CHD stickers everywhere. We're doing the Heart Walk this year in November as a
0: whole team, and we're just embracing it. Now, we talked a little bit about your background in childcare and as a therapist. How do you think that helped you through this whole journey? The cardiologist who gave us the
1: diagnosis, he gave us one or two diagnosis, wasn't sure because of his size. I said, OK, I trust you. I understand. OK, he's going to need surgery. And now I need your social worker's number because I'm going to need to get connected and get steps and whatnot. I said, I need I just need your
0: support. I need their information. Knowing the, the right questions to ask right away, huh. yes. Ask for help. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, what advice do you have for other parents that are going through this? Exactly that, ask for help. It's all around
1: you, build up your community, build up your support, go to different people if you can possibly meet somebody who has a slight understanding, because honestly, no, no one will understand. You don't want them to understand. The only way that they can is to live it, and you don't
0: want that. Kind of finding those other friends, just like you were talking about, moms that you connected with and others that you can connect with who do understand just from what they've gone through. Uh, but ask the questions. Get the help. And help us all around. It's a beautiful thing right now. Yes. All right. Well, Sarah, can't thank you enough for being here. I know we just talked about it. Sarah took care of Claire when she came home from the NICU. She weighed nine pounds when Sarah came into our lives, and she's almost 12. So we have been together for a long time, my friend, (laughs) and she still loves her (laughs) rah-rah. But I know uh, you are just helping your little guy to live his best life and being such a wonderful advocate for him and really appreciate you coming on the today is a good day podcast to share your story thank you so much for having me thank you to our podcast sponsor life celebration by GivNish.